You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we have a special guest that's on the pod, one of the best liberos in the world, arguably top three, top two, maybe even the best libero in the world, depending on who you're talking to. So I'm super excited to welcome this guest. He's going to drop a ton of value. He's going to give you guys some tangible, some great step-by-step feedback so you can go to your gym and you, as a coach, can help your players on such a more efficient level. Also, before we get into this episode, if you haven't already heard in the intro, depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this in November 2021, the beginning, end of October 2021, then you already know that I got a free workshop coming up strictly talking about offense. It's completely free. I've ran it in the past. We talk about offensive systems, offensive philosophy, offensive strategies. We dive really into it. So whether you're a beginner coach, whether you're a professional coach, there is a ton of value that you could take away from this particular workshop. So I hope to see you guys. And I'm sure if you may have heard already, it's at volleyballworkshop.com. That's volleyballworkshop.com. And if you are listening to this after November 8th, then don't worry about it. Hopefully, you can catch another workshop in my upcoming sessions. Uh, It's always volleyballworkshop.com, so you can always monitor that website for when we do another free workshop. So let's get into this episode, which is an interview with Eric Shoji. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 73 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week in the volleyball world. Another, I know a lot of people um, in Canada are ramping up to get their first couple of games in. And I know uh, my friends in the U.S. Are, are well on the way in high school and club is coming up. It's, it's, it's exciting times. I know in the men's volleyball world, they're getting ready for their January start and the women's game is already taken off and it's, it's super exciting. So um, to all the coaches out there, I hope you guys are doing great and I hope your seasons are off to a great start. Uh, and yeah, to my new listeners, if you haven't listened to the pod, my name is Coach Brian Singh. I'm the host of the podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you find some value on today's episode. You have about 72 episodes to get caught up on. So, you know, take your time, go through it, take some notes uh, and go from there. And then for my regular listeners, as always, you know, welcome to the pod. I hope you guys are get ready for another value packed episode. Uh, and the, the point of our episodes, every single episode, we try to give you tangible, valuable things that you can take back to your gym and apply it to your team right away. So you can, at the end of the day, see results and help your athletes get better. And that's the goal. And today, I have a special guest who is going to do exactly that. This particular player is what I would consider, and many that that I have conversations with, one of the best liberos in the world. Not in the country, but one of the best liberos in the world. And he's been doing this at a high level for such a long time. He's the starting libero for the U.S. men's national team, and he also plays pro in Poland. So we are super excited to welcome Eric Shoji on the pod. Eric, what's going on? Welcome. What's up, Brian? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. 
Uh, I appreciate it, man. I love the energy. Uh, I know, I know we've been trying to, we've been trying to get on this pod for a while now. And I'm, I'm glad our schedules, you know, kind of work, kind of were installed. So this week was good, actually. Today was good. Was so we we're able to do it today. And, and that's great. So, you know what, let's let, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, your, your volleyball journey, where you are now, like, let's just get a little intro on, on who Eric Shoji is. All right. What's up listeners. Um, yeah, I'm Eric Shoji. I am a libero from Honolulu, Hawaii, born and raised. I graduated from Punahou High School, in my opinion, the best volleyball high school in the nation of the USA. I then competed at Stanford University, where I won a national championship in 2010. I graduated in 2012, joined the national team in 2013, and have been a professional volleyball from 2013 until now. I am currently competing in Poland in the Polish Plusliga for my 10th professional season, but I have played in Germany, Austria, Italy, Russia, and now Poland. So I believe that's my fifth country, 10 years going on to 10 years with the national team, two Olympics, one, one bronze medal, and hoping to keep going. So that's a little bit about me. That's amazing. <laughs> it's crazy. We're, we're, at, we're the same age. And completely different paths. You're like pro libero, and I'm college coach. It's so crazy how that that it's great though. So we get yeah, I get I get to see different sides of it. You know, I love it. Um, yeah. Sure. All right, let's let's talk let's talk passing because you know okay. in our game, passing is the most skill. Actually, I like passing and reading, but more so, passing is the skill that every coach is trying to improve every single season. They want to get their passing the the quality of their pass, the quality of the serve receive up. So, uh. When it comes to coaching, when it comes to coaching the pass, you know, how would you take an athlete, whether they're let, let's go with a beginner athlete and then we'll go to the more experienced athlete. How would you start a beginner athlete in introducing and teaching the skill of passing? Oh, oh, I haven't taught beginners in a really long time. Um, how would I teach passing? To a beginner well i would start off with the platform i think the platform is the number one thing um figuring out your hand positioning your wrist positioning your elbows um trying to keep them straight and strong and then i would probably move on to footwork and figuring out how you can move your feet which then will help your angles and your platform which we just talked about and then i would probably move on to shoulders and angles and reading the serve. So it's a complicated thing. In my opinion, passing is the hardest skill in volleyball. But I think if you can start from the basics, I had a lot of coaches that did a lot of different reps with me when I was younger, in particular, my dad, who used to be the coach at the University of Hawaii. So I did a lot, a lot of passing and a lot of technique when I was younger. And I think that has definitely helped me <laughs> even to this day. Right. So we got a kid in the, I love that, by the way, that these are all great points, platform, hand positioning, elbows, wrist, footwork. If you see me typing, I'm just making notes, by the way, yeah. not ignoring you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's solid. So we, we have a young athlete in the gym comes through. Uh, first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to work on their platform. So that's hand positioning. What do we do with our hands? Uh, you talked about wrist. So we're going to have their elbows down, elbow, or sorry, elbows in, wrists down to create that platform. Is that right? And then after they, sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm making it sound pretty simple, but I think 
um, if you have someone in person that you can kind of help or, you know, on, on camera like we are now, then you can show it a little bit more in depth. But I think sure. that's a good place to start, definitely. Okay. And no, no, this is good. This is good steps for the coaches. So then yeah. after they, they established a platform, so now the athlete knows how to create a platform with their body. How can we then reinforce that platform? How do we take it to the next level? Reps, 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 reps. Um, I'm someone that was raised on reps and raised on hours and hours of practice and um, some reinforcement from coaches for sure. But I think practice makes perfect as, as corny as that might sound. I think um, your ability to get in the gym and work on that skill and also watch high level volleyball and see what they do as well. I think the combination of that can help you I don't know, take your game from maybe beginner to the next level. It's hard work, but you know, if you love something and if you want something, then you're, you're willing to put in that work. Right. So that's actually a great point. Watching high level volleyball. I can't stress that enough too. It's, it's like seeing what the greats are doing and trying to not, not necessarily emulate it, but get some feedback from that and apply it to your own, your own skill. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So now we have the ideal of the, the, the athlete. So we talked about, they're getting reps in the gym. They've now understood how to create a platform. So now we're kind of entering the 16, 17, new 18, new realm where they they're familiar with the game. They have some passing technique. How would you take a 17, 18 year old who's, who's decent at passing and, and take them to the next level? Like what are things from your lens? What would you look for in an athlete? to take them to that next level? I think the next step is expanding range. And I think that's where footwork and shoulders and angles come into play. I think passing, it's not easy, but you know, if it's, if it's right in front of you, you're not moving, things tend to be a little bit more easy. Obviously, I don't know the serve that's coming at you, but the minute it's outside your body line, maybe it's high left, high right, um, maybe it's in front of you, maybe it's overhead. That's when things get a little bit more difficult. And if I can see an athlete, see a volleyball player that has great range and can pass balls that are not directly at them, that's what I'm looking for. And that's the next step, I believe, in passing is expanding that range and figuring out how to get the ball to target if it's not directly at you, because I think that's the biggest challenge. We know serves are not going to come directly at us every right. single time. Is there any, any advice on how to train that range? Again, I think it's reps. I, it's something I never really consciously worked on until my first year of pro. I'll never forget. I had a coach who <laughs> maybe anyway, I had a coach, <laughs> um, who really like we went back to basics and I would have my pepper partner who actually was Brad Lawson, a Stanford teammate of mine at the time. He, they would have us pass balls. They would just throw simple balls at us, maybe from 10 feet away and practice left, right, high, left, high, right, low, low, right, low, left, you know, different angles that you had to figure out. Well, how do I move my feet? How do I move my shoulders? How can I create a platform in these awkward areas to get the ball back to my partner? And as simple as it was, it made me think about, oh, that's interesting because I do do that maybe naturally, but how can I get to the next level? How can I take that to a next step? How can I make this a skill or a technique? So I thought that was really interesting and I'll never forget that from that season, but, um, I think simple drills like that, just 
having a partner tossed to you high to your left, how do you figure that out? What do my feet look like? What do my shoulders look like? And then you kind of translate that to maybe harder and harder serves. Oh, I like that. So uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Correct me if I'm wrong. So if I was to do this in my gym, I could potentially have a coach on a box on the other side of the net, maybe, you know, maybe down ball into one side, down ball into another side, maybe then go higher and then go higher. So you get multiple reps into different locations that, that sound, that sound okay. Definitely. And I, I even think back to like when I was a kid and playing on the wall of my dad's gym and just serving balls against the wall, like my feet weren't always going to get the ball in my midline, you know, and I always tried to hit the spot on a wall. So maybe if you're a beginner, toss the ball and try to get the ball on your left or get the ball on your right. And I think that will help you kind of figure out your different angles and then aim for a target, pretend it's the setter so that you don't overshoot it or you create more of an angle. It's just figuring out ways to manipulate your body into like getting the ball to target. Right, right. No, I love that. Yeah. So I love, so we have so far, we've talked about the platform work, um, teaching that from the ground up, then then working to your range, extending the range, uh, which you know, as in the footwork, um, how to train the range, which is really nice because I like that. That's a simple drill too, really, just to reinforce that. Um, I would add here, film it and look at yourself in a film and see how, you, how you're manipulating your angles and, and uh, how you're able to move and where your weaknesses are because you can isolate a lot better that way. For sure. Um, anything to add to that? To that? Yeah, I think um, the one thing that I, one thing that I love to stress when I'm teaching or coaching is footwork. I think footwork it's kind of been left off a little bit lately, and maybe in, in new school volleyball, like oh, it's all about the angles. Well, I'm guilty. Yeah, you're guilty. Well, I mean, we all have our techniques, right? But in my opinion your footwork can help you create those angles to, to pass better. And footwork is going to help you get in a better position to create angles that you're comfortable with because every, every passer has a weakness. Every passer has different weaknesses. Now, if you can move your feet in a way that can maybe limit those 10%, 20%, I think it helps a lot. Now, can you move your feet on every pass? No. And that's where your platform comes into play. Right. But in my opinion, if you can, I try to move my feet to get into a bit more comfortable spot. You know, I'm not always taking balls high on my right or left. So I think footwork is huge. And if it's not working for you that day, then your angles come back into play. So it's kind of this like this. I like that. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I do believe in footwork and, um, helping, helping your angle than your platform out. Right. Now, I, I don't know if there's a different answer to this, but how would you, how would you work on your footwork? Is there a specific thing you would do or is that just all accompanied together with the passing? Like how would you work on your footwork? You know, it's, it's same, it's same kind of thing. You know, if you're going to pass me 10 balls to my left, maybe five of them, I'm not going to move my left foot and the other five, I'm going to drop my left foot and try to create an angle. I always use an example and listeners can maybe get up and, <laughs> and, and try this. But if you're standing straight to target and your feet don't move and you create an angle high on your left or right, it feels pretty uncomfortable. You know, I'm kind of doing it like this. I'm like feeling very, very stressed. You're right vulnerable. Now, this angle. Mm. now, if I drop my right foot and I try to create an angle on my right, it's a lot more comfortable. You'll, you guys can see, uh, maybe listeners can try and do this drop your right foot 45 degrees back. 
and you can create that angle much with much more ease, in my opinion. Now, I think that's a, a simple kind of example, but it rings true to passing every day. I'm like, oh, that was pretty good footwork. I feel good there, you know? So there's different, there's different ways to go about it. And obviously if your if your feet suck that day, like mine have the last three days, um, <laughs> then your angle comes into play and, and your ability to read the ball. So I think it, it just, it's all together. Got it. Okay. So I take back that guilty because I do train that. Never mind. Uh, I was thinking footwork in a different way. So that's on point. So thank you for reassuring yeah. me. And actually, I think that's, that's interesting. You said that. Sorry. Is that a lot of people think footwork is like shuffle, 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 move your feet, always get in the right spot, get it. In that's front what of I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. You're absolutely and right. Footwork to me is one step, two steps, not necessarily getting the ball right on my midline center every time it's getting in a spot that I can create a comfortable angle or a more comfortable angle. Such a great point. Yeah. I, and I, I, I see it all the time. So hearing you say that, like, I'm just, I'm seeing it all the time on the court. So yeah, sorry. I, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh no, no, no. That's it. I think, yeah. Footwork for me, it's not like five steps, get in, get in the center. It's one or two. Oh, it's much easier to pass on my right right now because I took those steps. So. Got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah footwork. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, okay. So we talked about the the passing range. We talked about footwork and I love that you said footwork will help create those angles. Yeah. Because it helps with the separation from your body and your platform exactly. uh, to reinforce that angle. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's transition a little bit. Same, same with the passing, but let's talk about reading cues. So mm -hmm. what are the, uh, and let's go, let's go, let's go with the server. Let's start with the server. Yeah. Anything and any cues specifically that you look for when you're reading a server, uh, anything you talk about reading cues, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's going to be different for float and jump serves, right? I think the majority of juniors will probably see more float serves, jump floats. Um, obviously we have a lot of scouting, so that helps a lot. Right. But I think some cues that you can look for, honestly, if you, most servers are going to look where they're serving. I think that's a small cue. Now, obviously some people can play tricks, but most of the time they're going to look at least once or twice at where they're serving. Um, angle of approach is huge where their shoulders are facing. And to a certain extent, maybe where the screen is of the blockers, but that's a little bit more at, at the professional level. Right. So there's different cues that you can look at. I think it's, it's important as a passer to, get your communication in with the other players quickly, efficiently. And then you kind of get into your own place and then check out the server and see what they're doing. And then you can pick up these little cues. Right. So yeah, I like that. So most servers are going to serve where they look. Um, yeah. Angle of approach is important. Um, anything to read in terms of shoulder wrist manipulation, anything like that? Or you just, if you see a spinner, you know, it's going to come at you hard. If you see a float, it's going to, it's going to move like anything like that. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty hard. It's pretty difficult to tell kind of what's going to come at you after the approach. I mean, you know if it's a right. float or a jump. Right. Um, there's different cues, maybe with a jump serve, how they hit it, if it's going to go short or if the toss is bad. Um, it's all very split second. I think right. one thing I'm working on right now is balance and using balance combined with my ability to read to be in the correct spot. Sometimes me reading means me out of balance. And that's kind of caught me a few times this season already. So balance plus reading 
the server and using those cues is going to help me pick up the ball a little bit quicker. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Uh, are, is there anything else you want to add? I'm going to kind of transition to a little bit of defense here, but is there anything else you want to add with regards to passing that I may have forgotten or you think is extremely important for, uh, for people to know? Well, I think the, the other thing I try to preach is um, learning from your angle and from your platform. A lot of, a, a lot of younger kids I, I watch and teach and coach, they'll just let the platform go. And it's not necessarily your hands breaking. It's more just like moving on to the next skill or the next part of the point. One thing that I like to do, especially in practice, is hold my platform if I can and try to learn from the angle because there are times where I'm like, oh, that was a good pass. Let's hold that platform, see what I'm doing. Where's my foot, my feet? Where are my shoulders? Where are my platform? Like, what's the angle? So I really like holding my platform maybe two seconds after I pass the ball if I can, especially in practice when it's not go, go, go. And I think that is really useful just to learn, learn from your body positioning and from your angles. So I teach that for especially in training. And then when you get to the game, hopefully it comes a little bit more natural. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of like watching video, but it's like in the moment. So right. just being able to learn from your body position, I think is really important. Right. Yeah, I know. I love that holding your platform. Yeah. Two seconds after that's a great cue um, to see exactly what you did. Yeah. I like that. That's great. Yeah. It's not, it's not always like completely realistic and mm -hmm. you have a tendency to like manipulate your arms after you might pass the ball, but there are certain things that you can pick up on for sure. Got it. So, uh, before we, before we talk defense, I just want to briefly talk about the mental side of passing because it's a huge part of our game. I'm sure you know, right. You know, you see a ton of times where an athlete may shank a ball and then they, they may crumble. They may get nervous or whatever the case and the server sees that they, they see the weakness and they, they just go after them and yeah. it, it, it can really put you in a, a spiral really quickly. So for, for our coaches out there and players too, how do you personally, how do you approach when you shank a ball? What are you, what are your steps to get over that and move forward? Well, the first thing I, I try to do immediately is learn from it. I mean, just trying to figure out what that server did or what my body looked like and platform looked like in that moment. So that's pretty quick. I think the next thing is I try to stay external and with my teammates and communicative. I think this is more of a sports psych point, but if you're talking about something or thinking about something, it's impossible to think about something else. So the more that you can speak with your teammates about the next serve or, Hey, we got this or, Hey, let's do this. It's really hard to think the negative thoughts that might come in later. So I think it's important to stay external and communicative with your teammates. Um, I think that's a sign to the other team as well that like, it's okay. Like this guy isn't just completely in his own head. Um, after I communicate, I try to take a couple of breaths. Um, I like to feel my feet and my shoes. And I try to um, remain confident knowing that I put in a lot of work and that the previous serve, there's no like correlation to the next serve. You know, it's not connected. Each point is its own thing. So I try to remember that and you know, just try to think positive thoughts. I think when I'm taking that breath, feeling my feet, um, I'll try to say something like, Hey, you're going to fight this off or you're going to nail this, or, you know, you're going to defend it up in the air with like half to yourself. Yeah. To myself in my head. Right. Um, 
with these servers, sometimes you can't pass a perfect. So you got to figure out a phrase to, to kind of remain positive with those. Right. No, that's fantastic. So yeah, learn from it. Don't focus on the past. You, you move forward. Uh, you know, you focus on the next serve. Uh, the breathing is huge. Yeah. We practice that in our gym too. Like we're just it, a simple breathe in and breathe out is suffices in many cases. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, I really like the point. Every point is independent. So this, that serve, that ACE has no correlation to the next. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I don't think athletes think about it that way. No, uh, I think we're, we're, we're sorry to cut you off. I think we're no. taught a lot of momentum, but it's, it's a tough thing. Like, I don't know. It's just each, each point is its own thing. I mean, how the rally shakes out, it, it has nothing to do with the previous one, especially if you don't let it, if you say, Hey, this is a new point. I have a great opportunity to come back. How good can I be on this play? not great. How good can I be? Like, can I be solid? I have the opportunity to do that. I'm going to challenge myself. Then it's all pretty independent. Right. How good can I be on this next play? I love that's That's a great, I, that, Hey, if you're listening to this, write that down if you're, for my listeners that are listening to this. Like these are a fantastic point. You can take back to your gym. Cause I, I think, and these, these things we talked about more. Yeah. These are great. And it's very positive. You know, it's, it's, that's a really, really great mindset to have uh, on the next play. If any pastor has this type of mindset, they're, they're not going to get, they're not, their, their emotions won't get the better of them by, by doing yeah. these things. So yeah, thank you for that. No, that's fantastic. All right. Let's transition a little bit to defense now. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember one of my mentor coaches, he used to tell me that if you can get two digs in a set, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I don't know how true that still is, but, uh, that's the kind of what we aim for in our gym. Two to three digs a set is, is great. Yeah. What, um, I'm going to get an open-ended question for you. All right, Eric, in terms of defense, how do you train your defense as a libero? You know, how do you train your, your defensive awareness, getting those digs up, you know, open-ended question for you. Go ahead. Well, I will start off saying that in college in a game to 25, or I don't know if we played, we played to 30, like I was averaging under three digs a game and I was a first team all American all four years. So again you don't need to dig that many balls to help a team out you know it's not about five digs a set it's about two or three maybe as a libero especially so that's my point humble brag there i guess no it's great um, how i train defense like i said i go back to my when i was young and it was just reps on reps on reps and taking balls in different places on my body whether it was my chest or my shoulders or my arms any body surface is a dig especially right now. So if you can just get in there, take a few hits, learn how to take the hits. Um, I think that's really important. I think there's a lot of different philosophies out there right now about, you know, one arm, getting your body in front of it, two arms. I think it's all great. I think if you can, you know, watch different defenders and learn from it, then you can take it back to your own skill set and, and try to emulate that. Right. No, fantastic. Yeah. So it, let's talk about uh, digging. Okay, let's say, uh, you know, ball is being passed to the setter. Okay, so ball is now in the setter's hands. What are you thinking? Are you looking for cues? You know, what's going on in your mind as a libero before the setter sets the ball? Are you, are you doing anything or are you doing something? Yeah, I'm uh, definitely thinking. I'm definitely thinking about tendencies, I think, at, at our level, the college level. There's a lot of scouting. So we know the hitter's tendencies. We know where the setter likes to set in each rotation. Now, that's pretty advanced, but... If you can even know a, a simple tendency from each hitter, then your starting position should be 
more advantageous for you than not. You know, you shouldn't always be what a meter by meter off of, off of the 10 foot line and the sideline. Like it's not so cookie cutter anymore. So when that setter is setting, I'm looking at the three hitters and I'm thinking, okay, I have X, Y, Z. What's my best position that I can be in to dig this ball based on any possibility. So that's the first thing. And then, excuse me, I'm just thinking about the tendencies and reading the block and trying to get in a, in a great spot. Okay, so I want to elaborate on that's a great point. Yeah. So now the now the ball is set to to a left side, for example, right? Most popular position is set the ball to at least at, at the younger age group. Uh, what are you What are you looking at now? Ball is set to left side. Are you looking at the block? Are you looking at the angle of approach? Like what What's your vision? What are you looking at? Well, you're kind of looking at it all, right? I mean, you should be as a defender and uh, a high level defender. You're going to have to figure out how to how to see all of them. It's challenging, but you probably the first thing you're going to see is the ball trajectory and see where that ball is. And that's going to tell you a bunch of cues on where the hitter is going to hit it because the hitter can only do so much with a certain set. So I'm probably looking at the set first, and then I'm looking at angle of approach. Then probably the block, then probably the hitter. If, if I had the last two might just be like intertwined overlapped a little bit. So different things for sure. But if I had to put an order on them, that's probably it. Okay. And then in general, uh, do you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you do something different here, but in general, if there's a seam, you step in and play the seam. If it's a closed block, you stay back and play the hands. Uh, is that right? Or is that wrong? Or do something differently? I think in general, that's a, that's a great thing to, to think of, especially at a younger age. I was all about finding those seams and playing outside the block and over the block if it was well-formed. So I think that's a, I got, you know, I, I made my living, I guess you could say by doing that at a younger age. I think it's a little bit more difficult right now. People don't hit low seam maybe as much as they used to. So I think if you're a young volleyball player, you know, get out there, watch some video and say, oh, there's that seam open. That's where the guy hit it. Maybe I could move in that direction a little bit better. Or, wow, he extended his, his arm, his elbow, and he tipped the ball. That's the cue that I could pick up on. So I think if we're going to talk about reading a little bit, reading is knowledge of the game. And you get knowledge of the game by watching more video and playing more. And right. Um, just experiencing volleyball and better players and more players. So I think that's a good point too. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That's great. You, yeah, playing, watching video and what, and it seems like there, there's a theme here to what you're saying. And I, I really like it is, is not only watching video like of other players professionally, but watching video of teams that you're going to play against. Whether you are, I mean, obviously in college and pro, we do this because all the videos uploaded to a, a main software, whether it's huddle or volumetrics or whatever, but in club high school, you know, you can still do the same thing because you can still, you film all your games. Chances are you're going to see those teams again. So you can see tendencies. So I, I absolutely agree. And I advocate for that as well. So I, I, I like that theme. It seems like, you know, being like the skills are one thing, but being prepared is also uh, extremely important as well. Is that, is that kind of where you're going with? I mean, for sure. I think that's one thing that I've tried to really think about in the, in the last couple of years in my career, for sure. Preparation is key. Um, 
Karch Karai was on the Finding Mastery podcast and talked about preparation and, and confidence. And if you can prepare as, as well as you can, then why not be confident? You've done everything you can to, to be there. So I, I've really taken that to heart. I, it's important for me, especially this year in Poland. and I haven't played a, a, against a lot of these players. So mm-hmm. it's important for me to just kind of get a feeling for how they play and not necessarily where they spike and where they serve, but just like seeing their game and, and seeing how they flow and their tendency to hit a ball. So I huge, huge advocate for watching video on your opponents just to feel great heading into a match. Right. And the last thing I'll, I'll talk about when it comes to defense is, is, is there any technical advice you can give our listeners about, about defense in general, like from a, from a, def, not a, not a defensive system, but from an individual defensive standpoint, like what are some things that they should be doing on defense to put themselves in the best position to play defense? Well, I mean, we talked about this a little earlier, a couple of minutes ago, just being around the block. I think anytime that you can find a hole in the block or be outside of the block, you're putting yourself in a pretty good position. And that's one thing I've really, really worked on the last couple of years um, I was getting in a habit of just being behind the block and not putting myself in a great spot. So I think being, seeing that block and putting yourself in a great spot is half the battle, especially at, at the pro men's level where if you're not in the right spot, you're not taking the ball basically because the ball is coming so hard. Um, the next one I think is just to create surface area with your body. And that's with better posture, a little bit more straight up and down arms are out. They're not kind of swinging back like this. You can't see it on, on a podcast, but my elbows are back kind of like a bat and just creating surface area, try to having your arms out to, to touch the ball, to get in the way. I think that's the way defense is moving. It's like, it's a technique, but it's not, it doesn't look like you have technique, but it's effective. So, and when you say surface area, are you referring to like widening your platform to create a more solid base or like what do you mean by surface area i'm talking about having great posture so your chest is your chest is in play so that your arms are kind of out wide out in front of you so that you have more area for the ball to hit now if if i'm like trying to stay skinny and my arms in my body and my my posture is down low like you're you're just not as big out there on the court you got to cover some ground so i think it's important to create that, that surface area but then also, you know, have your arms out ready to dig. I think there's a lot, we could talk for days about this, but in general, I think that's really important. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's that's solid. And it's true. Cause like you said earlier, you can dig the ball with many parts of your body, right? That's still a dig. So yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Let's transition a little bit to, um, to your pro life. So as a pro volleyball libero, what does a typical, like two situations I want to go through. One is a non-game day and the other one will be a game, will be a regular like practice day. Um, so what does a typical day look like in the life of a pro libero? Like from waking up, go to practice, what do you do in practice? What's the focus? Two days, you know, things like yeah. that. So it, it varies. I think let's, let's just start off with one game a week on Saturday, which is usually the case depending on different tournaments that you're in. Um, most of the time, Sunday will be off, which is great. <laughs> Monday, I'll just go, th- I'll go through my schedule this week right sure. now. Um, Monday, yesterday, we had weights in the morning for two, two and a half hours. And we had individual two group sessions in the afternoon for about an hour and a half each. For me, focusing on passing and setting. 
So that was more of an individual day kind of thing. Today, we had morning serve and pass individual session again, where I passed a million balls. Mm -hmm. And we had a two-hour team practice in the afternoon. Tomorrow, I'll have all day off until five, where we'll have a two and a half hour team practice. Thursday, I'll have a lighter weights with practice in the afternoon. Friday, I will travel to the city we're playing in, have an afternoon practice in the new gym. Saturday, we'll play. Sunday, I'll have the day off. So oh, it, it's pretty much once or twice a day, depending on the week. And weights seem to be in the morning always, followed by... Weights are 95% in the morning. Um, it's interesting. Different countries have different philosophies with the national team. We'll practice. Well... It's, it can be different, but we'll have practice and weights like at the same time. So once we finish practice, we'll head straight into weights or some, it will split the groups and you'll start with weights and then go to practice. So it's all at the same time overseas. I've never had a team work like that. Um, it's always like weights in the morning, go home, recover, and then be ready for afternoon practice. Got it. And then what does a typical game day look like for you? Like routine wise? Yeah. Game days, they in Poland, especially because every game is on TV, which is great. Um, national coverage. Oh, wow. They that's range great. From, yeah, 2.45 to 8.30. So it just depends on the day. 2.45, you won't have a morning servant pass. You'll just kind of do a light stretch out, maybe a walk around the park, whatever your team wants. Get to the gym about an hour and a half before, um, meet an hour before, start warming up and, and play at 2.45. Now, if you have a 5.30 or 8.30 game, you'll do a servant pass probably in the morning after breakfast, eat lunch, take a nap get to the gym pretty pretty basic pretty typical right and from for a libero what does your strength training look like what is the strength training of a libero yeah I, I would say it doesn't change much from a lot of the other players i think my strength coach here and on the national team does a great job of kind of catering to what i like to do but it doesn't necessarily change from what the other guys are doing it's a lot now if you want to lift something as a libero, do legs and core. I don't necessarily, your arms are important, obviously, but if you want to focus on something, fo focus on your legs, your core, and that'll just help you be stronger, more stable, move faster. And I think that's obviously very important. What can, can you give me an example of a workout that you do? Cause I'm sure many coaches would, would want to hear that. Like what is a, a, a typical like workout session for you? Yeah, so I'll go through today, which I, I would say is pretty typical. Um, or yesterday, sorry. Let's see. Legs, I did hang power cleans. I did squats. I did dumbbell lunges. I did calf raises. I did um, like pogo jumps. These are all kind of like intermittent within the weights. Mm -hmm. I did a bunch of core. And then for arms, I kind of did like shoulder presses. I did pull-ups, which I guess that's arms. Um, yeah. I did bench press. So it's kind of full body, but right. the weight, the, the leg weights definitely outweighed the, the arms. Definitely. What's and your, I would um, say that's the same for you. Right. What's your set and rep range? It's anywhere from, it's usually around three to four sets rep vary from three to six all right and i don't know if you might know the answer to this but are you doing like 60 percent your one rm like are you doing 70 percent? like what what does that look like yeah so mondays 
usually we're doing this is like we we always measure the speed of our squats and our bench press okay so mondays are like the hypertrophy days which is like the strength so on the thing on the ipad (laughs) i don't know what this necessarily means it says 90 to 100 so i'm pushing pretty hard um i would say with usa i rarely do like regular back squats and here i do them a lot and it's 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 heavy it's heavy for me so um i feel like they're they push us here for sure okay right Okay, so my last like big question for you um, is is setting because setting is a part of a libero's world. Like they they uh, I think it's an important skill. I remember one of my um, one of my former athletes went to try for a national team uh, overseas, and he said that the first thing he had the liberos do was set. I was like, really? That's interesting to kind of see see who can like who out of all the liberos who can set, and then they went to serve and pass and stuff like that. So. From a setting standpoint, what does a libero need to be aware of uh, when it comes to setting and what they need to do to train to be ready to set in a game? Oh, um, I think they just need to, we, we got to figure out how to get the ball in the right place from different spots on the court. It's never like a setter just being at the net. Obviously, setters move around. But yeah. as a libero, you're going to set off the first pass, whether it might be a high shank to the back. You're going to set balls from the one foot line, you know, that a middle might take or whatever. So you're just tr- trying to figure out how you can deliver the ball from all these different spots and obviously taking the rules into account forearm sets and hand sets. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to take reps from all around the court. I, I, I try to do that, you know, every day. Um, I think one important thing is just delivering a good ball as a libero. Like nobody's looking for s- super, super fancy um, even at the highest levels, the fanciest setters, they're not that fancy. You know, you're not really tricking that many people as a libero. So delivering the ball is definitely more important than deception. Okay, perfect. And when you practice that, you're just practicing setting from multiple different locations on the court. Is that how you practice it? Basically, I mean, there's different drills where it might be a little bit more controlled or you'll have your coach toss around for you or maybe you'll have the setter dig and try to dig to the 10-foot line so you can work on that set. So, you know, there's nothing really special that you can do as a libero setter trying to to practice. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. It's just trying to be consistent, trying to put up a good ball and, and putting your hitter in a great spot. Yeah, no, makes sense. All right. So in terms of the big questions, those are, those are the big questions. This is some small ones for you here really quickly. Um, and there may not be, there might not be an answer to this one, but, uh, you know, passing has evolved over time, right? It's, it's, we, before they used to, you know, train passing straight up. Now they're, you know, midline. Now we're going offline or whatever you want to call it out of midline. Now we're going angle, more angle platform heavy, all that stuff. Do you see passing changing in the next five years? Do you see there's another evolution coming our way or are we just maintaining what we have right now? Ooh. I don't bad. see how it can change much. I mean, yeah. servers are getting better, but I don't know what can change. I mean, this isn't really what the answer you're looking for, but I do possibly see, see them changing the rule where you might not be able to overhand pass. I've heard that. Spraw told me the same thing, actually. Yeah, that's I, interesting. I, mean, I know Spraw is a huge advocate for that. but Yeah, he is. Um, possibly down the road where people aren't going to be able to hand pass which I would love. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, I don't know. I don't see, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that many changes happening. Okay. No, good. Fair enough. Yeah. That, that's all right. That's good. Um, if there was 
uh, three, and you don't have to list three, up to three. If there's up to three pieces of advice, you could give coaches to train their liberos to be the next Eric Shoji's. Well, what would you tell them? Watch video of yourself and others, which we've, we've talked a lot about. Um, reps, reps, reps. And maybe this just goes in general for all coaches, but liberos, we don't need feedback on every pass we get or every dig we, dig we take. Don't overdo it. Don't try to, you don't need to comment on every single ball. <laughs> that's just a personal thing, but. No, that's great advice. No, absolutely. And I've heard, I've heard that from players all the time. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in our gym, we, uh, we do rounds. So we'll do like three to four minute rounds. And after the round, we'll, we'll provide feedback. Um, or yeah. sometimes we may do feedback loops where like you, you do like you do, you get in there, do your thing, come back, maybe receive feedback, maybe not, but go back in like to do that. But I, as, as a coach, I can appreciate that. I understand that we do not need to give feedback on every single ball. We need to allow the athlete to grow, to learn themselves, to be able to self-reflect and evaluate and grow as a coach. And I, I, I was the, I was, when I was a younger coach, I did that hundred percent. I was like, no, 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 do this. No, no, no. Now it's like, yeah, you learn, man. That's great. And I think there's, different, there's different, like there's different opportunities. You know, if I'm doing an individual lesson where people are paying me to give feedback, it'll be more, more intense, more often. But if I'm a coach of a team, and I'm working with a libero, it might not be as much. And again, and also don't be afraid to give positive feedback. I think there's so many coaches that it's all about what you're doing wrong, but I think it's important to also like, I don't know, praise the good because it's, it's pretty, it's good reinforcement. Right. How do you feel when um, you hear, you hear the stuff like, you know, Eric Shoji is a top three libero in the world. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Maybe even a top one in some, some, some people, I know you don't feel this way that you're not the best. Um, but I know you do. I know you think you're in the top five, which you absolutely should be because you are. Um, I, you. I personally think you're top three because I know the libero that you think is the best in the world. And I understand that. Um, but what do you, what do you say when people say yeah, it's top three libero in the world? Maybe uh, the my whole body cringes and I go, eh, thanks. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a great compliment. I, appreciate all the wonderful things that people say about me possibly um i put in a lot of work i think people don't necessarily see all the work that we do as pros and how passionate i've been about volleyball for almost my entire life so it feels good that you know i'm considered one of the best i've put in a lot of work i at the end of the day, I try to help my team as best as I can, be a great teammate, a great friend, a great person. And those attributes are more important to me than some sort of, you know, positive feedback from someone external. So right. it feels good. I put in a lot of work, but there's more work to be done, of course. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Dead or alive, who would you want to have dinner with and why? Oh, someone just asked me this. Um, three people would be Whitney Houston, Arthur Ashe, and my late grandfather from my dad's side, who is a internment camp um, prisoner turned um, veteran, turned Purple Heart, turned PhD, turned amazing man. Um, oh, wow. So 
I would love to have him back because I wasn't able to ask him the questions. I wish I had known when he passed away. Okay. Uh, and any other, for the, for the other two, any reasons why you want, want to have them? Um, Arthur Ashe, obviously, I was a tennis player in high school, so he was a trailblazer, African-American tennis player, awesome guy, awesome player, would love to meet him. Whitney Houston is the voice to me, so, yep. and obviously lived a very interesting life, and I think it would be an interesting dinner. Wow, that's great. Well, Eric, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, and listeners, you know, I, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. You're going to have to re-listen to this episode because I have a page of notes myself, so I can only imagine <laughs> what you guys are going to have and listen to all. There's so much tangible things you can take back to your gym from this episode. Um, and Eric, is there any last minute words you want to uh, say to our 10,000 plus listeners at the time of this recording? Oh, thanks for listening, guys. Um not to plug my own social here, but I do oh, have a do YouTube it. channel where I watch video games. Um, I watch video games, react to them, analyze them. A lot of what we talked about here of watching top pros, I do that on my channel. So it's fun for me to watch and interact with fans there. Um, if you're a volleyball player, I mean, we've said it, you know, work hard in and out of the gym, watch a lot of video, figure out your favorite players, try to bring what they do onto your own game and work your butt off. At the end of the day, that's the most important. And be a good person. Amazing. And you know what? I, I apologize. I forgot to mention a YouTube channel. Can you just talk about that real quickly for our listeners before we go? YouTube channel. Yeah. I do have a YouTube channel. I started about a year ago. It's just under my name, Eric Shoji. Basically, I watch all types of volleyball from around the world. And I react to it, sort of like different reaction videos that you might see on YouTube. I analyze. I talk about techniques. I talk about team stuff. So it's, you know, me showing my personality, having fun with volleyball, but also trying to educate and inspire maybe some younger volleyball players. So check it out. I think it's a lot of fun. A lot of different volleyball matches that you might not be able to see are on that channel. And I love interacting with, you know, with viewers and fans there. It's actually a lot of fun. If you haven't got a chance to see it, it's great. And um, Micah, you had one with Micah recently, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I have to watch that. I haven't got a chance to watch it. It was like 30 something minutes long, so I didn't get a chance to do the whole thing, but yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it's, it's, uh, it's great. So yeah, I can, I can vouch for the channel. Like definitely 100% watch it. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so hopefully you get some more subscribers on there. That's great. All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much. Our listeners. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in again, Eric. Thanks. Hopefully we can have you on the pod down the road as well. Um, for sure. yeah, man, it's great. Thank you so much for tuning in to the volleyball by design podcast. We'll see you next week on another episode. Take care. See ya. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.